RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement. But as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to Red Pill 78. As always, my name is Zach Payne, the Corruption Detector, and this is another edition of Red Pill News for Saturday Night Livestream. Joining me in the studio tonight is probably a familiar face, but a first-time guest, Christina Bob. She is a former investigative reporter at OAN. She is currently an attorney for President Trump at Save America, and she's also the author of Stealing Your Vote. Christina has a unique insider's perspective on what went down during the 2020 election, and a lot of you are concerned about what's going to happen in this election. My primary question, and I've heard it so many times before, how can we be assured that 2024 is going to be fair if we know that 2020 wasn't? I think that's part of what the work is that Christina's doing at Save America. But obviously, she's going to tell us what she thinks. Do me a favor. Please hit the like button. Hit the share. Help us by getting this out there on your favorite social media platforms. I would sincerely appreciate it. Big thank you to the people watching over there at Pilled.net. Thank you to Sean Joe. Thank you to Candylicious, who says, fellow Floridian checking in. Thank you, Candylicious. Porpoiseful, Sean Joe, and Sean Joe, thank you very much, guys. I appreciate the support. So, without further ado, please sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn because we're going to be right back after this with Christina Bob. Well, bad news. It sounds like the Fed has taken the punch bowl away from the party yet again because the stock market has been betting on March rate cuts, but not so fast because all three indexes just got pummeled on the news that rate cuts are off the table. Now, is this why J.P. Morgan and UBS are calling for a 23% drop in the S&P? Let me tell you something. This is the longest time we've ever had in history between recessions. And right now, that recession indicator is ringing off the hook. It's most severe alarm in that 40-year history. So either you think Bidenomics is working or you're buying gold. And since we all know Bidenomics isn't working... Isn't it time you protected your retirement by getting gold? Right now, you can call the proud Americans of the Patriot Gold Group today and do it before it's too late. All you got to do is mention me, Zach Payne, and this show, Red Pill News on Red Pill 78, and you will always get the best-in-class service from Patriots Protecting Patriots. The Patriot Gold Group has the No Fee for Life IRA, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver, and you might be eligible for for the no fee for life IRA on qualifying rollovers. So give them a call today at 888-857-6092 and request your free investor guide today. Patriot Gold Group is a consumer affairs top rated gold IRA dealer for seven years in a row. Call them today at 888-857-6092. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. 
All right. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight. And if you will, please join me in welcoming our guest for this evening, Christina Bob. Christina, how are you? Hey, Zach. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. I'm glad you're here as well. So let me start off by saying that you are a rare breed in a, a couple of different ways. First of all, you're a journalist that is totally cool talking honestly about election fraud. And then also you're a an attorney who's also willing to do the work to try to get it done. <laughs> so those are two very special classes that you find yourself in. And I just wanted to give you a little bit of props for that. No, I appreciate that. Thanks. Sure. You know, there's somebody's got to do it. There's there's a handful of us out there doing it. Well, that brings us to our first question. Why do you think, first of all, that there aren't more conservative attorneys or is it just that there are conservative attorneys, but they're not willing to put their yeah. uh, their their career on the line to work on this stuff? They're not willing to put their career on the line is what it's coming down to. I mean, the attorneys and, and uh, you know, I don't want to come out too hard because there have been a lot of really great lawyers that have done good work. You know, sure. they've stepped up to bat um, and the lawfare is just really nasty. I mean, every attorney, every attorney that I work with that I know has been investigated by their bar, has received, mm. you know, bar complaints, lawsuits, subpoenas, um, ethics complaints, all, all of that. Um, and uh, to my knowledge, most of them, the vast majority have have overcome that, you know, they haven't actually done anything wrong. So they've been okay, but it's all still really stressful. Um, and so some continue in the fight, some do not. And then I quite honestly, unfortunately, there's a lot of other ones who don't even want to engage in the fight because they don't want to deal with it. So, and I don't want to come out too hard against attorneys either. Obviously I've interviewed a number of them who were good people and they're trying to do the right thing. But yeah. do you think that there is a, a preponderance of uh, liberal attorneys or, or, or people who are just affiliated um, with the deep state in some fashion? It's easier to be a liberal attorney okay. because, um, one, the law schools have all become so woke. You know, just like yeah. every other major educational program, it's all very woke. And so it's in vogue to be an elitist Democrat. Um so, it, you know, and, and, and the reality is conservatives don't fight dirty. Conservatives mm -hmm. don't cheat. Conservatives don't file frivolous lawsuits. They don't file frivolous bar complaints. They don't file frivolous um, action. You know, they don't make you defend things that really shouldn't need to be defended. So it's, it's just easier because um, conservatives play by the rules and liberals don't, basically. I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. Um, and it, it's too bad. It's too bad that we have to think about it in those terms because something yeah. like the law, I mean, you know, justice is meant to be blind. That's how it's supposed to happen. It's just too unfortunate that uh, oftentimes that's not what we see. Um, yeah. What about when it comes to the courts? Um, you know, recently there was uh, an article that I saw that President Trump, you know, this is typical from the left. They say, you know, oh, all of President Trump's election cases were thrown out. There's no evidence that there was fraud mm -hmm. in the 2020 election. But that isn't the truth. I mean, there is overwhelming evidence of fraud. And yeah. the problem has been often uh, that when it gets before a judge – you know, they just say, hey, we don't want to talk about this. This is not something that we're willing to even consider. So go ahead and take a hike. Yeah, that's right. Um, the Antrim County case in Michigan. Yeah, uh, that was, to my knowledge, the first case that really had evidence. Um, and then that then after the evidence was being compiled, it was in the process of being compiled. This was in 2020. 
uh, the judge then ended up throwing the case out on mootness Mm -hmm. because Jocelyn Benson, the secretary of state said, oh, I already did an audit and there was no problem. And the judge said, oh, okay, well, look, she did an audit. There's no problem. And certainly that was not what the plaintiff, uh, Bill Bailey was asking for, but, um, you know, it got thrown out. None of the other cases even allowed the evidence to be admitted into court. The following that, as far as, you know, the irregularities that we saw from 2020, the next court case that I'm aware of anyway, maybe there's, um, there's, actually, I take that back. There, there's been a lot of stuff happening in Georgia Mm -hmm. um, that's been, been going back and forth other than Georgia. Um, the next case really was Carrie Lake's case in mm-hmm. 2022. Uh, it took a couple years and her case actually had evidence admitted. Um, it was a bench trial. So it was one liberal judge in Maricopa County who just said, yeah, there's all this stuff, but whatever, and decided against her. Um, but the, the, the courts really haven't want, and we even saw this with the Supreme court, you know, mm. with Texas v. Pennsylvania, yep. um, they, they wanted to absolve themselves of the responsibility of making the hard decisions. And so they just throw it out on a procedural ground, um, without having to take a look at the merits of the case with the facts of the case. And that, that was really what plagued a lot of the election challenges. Now, apart from the election challenge, there were other other election lawsuits brought besides election challenges. I want to say there were only like eight or nine election challenges brought by President Trump um, or or someone affiliated with Donald Trump. There were other people who brought other cases, but you know we didn't have anything to do with that. Um, but then there were several cases, whether it was the RNC or you know a state GOP, excuse me, a state GOP um, that brought several election challenges before and after the election that were very successful. I don't know that people are aware that post 2020, there were five court cases in Michigan that determined that Jocelyn Benson had broken the law with the way that she administered that election. You know, the media doesn't talk about that. No, no. And they're not talking about the the situation uh, in Muskegon either with the the obvious, obvious fraudulent nature of those uh, voter registration cards. You know, it's like, yeah, Go ahead, please. I want to hear you. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I I mean, I I don't mean to speak over you by any means, but you're exactly right. I mean, the Muskegon Police Department has a very detailed police report of a witness who dropped off. I want to say it was thousands of voter registrations at the Muskegon clerk's office. The clerk, of course, flagged it, called the police and said, why is one person dropping off thousands? And then the police ended up catching the lady talking to her and she was like oh i'm getting paid to do this what what do you mean this is a problem she's like yeah i get paid thousands of dollars a week i do it in muskegon i do it in flint i do it in in detroit i do it in oakland county um you know she's doing it in kalamazoo she's doing it she's named i want to say like seven different areas that she's doing it and she was like what do you why is this a problem i'm getting paid and they put us up in hotels and they drive us around and they give me you know 1100 bucks a week or whatever whatever it was And the Muskegon Police Department reported that to the Secretary of State and the Attorney General and the FBI, Mm -hmm. Bill Barr's FBI, um, and they all covered it up. They covered it up. So it's still being covered up because it's only been. Yeah. Only very recently have have through FOIA requests that we started to really get the full scope of just how badly that situation had been screwed by that pooch. This whole thing could have been taken care of in a quick and timely manner. But it's quite obvious that the people who were in a position to do something about it 
wanted to ensure that the information didn't get out and that people did not become aware. Uh, let me yeah. ask you this. In, in, you know, during the course of your time there at Save America, I mean, is this particular case with GBI Strategies and Gary Bell, the owner, is this something that has been tracked? I mean, is there anything that can be done with that information or is it just kind of meant to open the eyes of the American people? Well, what you would normally do is report it to the authorities. Right, right. (laughs) Right? And so they're aware. Um, So if you have a Justice Department or a Michigan Secretary of State or a Muskegon Police Department who's not going to do anything about it, you know, it's kind of hard to push the issue. Um, the, The investigation is what it is. The facts are out. People are aware that... um these Democrat organizations are manufacturing voter registrations and paying people thousands of dollars to do this across multiple states. I mean, that fact is out. It is illegal. It is an illegal election operation. Mm -hmm. The FBI is aware of it. Local police are aware of it. State authorities are aware of it. The attorney generals are aware of it. They're not doing anything. Not a thing. So, so mm-hmm. I, I understand that, and I, I just I kind of want to lay that as the foundation uh, for the next question because uh, quite often I will hear people say, you know, that we can't have an election in 2024 because we didn't fix the election in 2020. It's like people refuse to move on from it, and I'm not telling anybody they need to get over it. Um, but no, they do need to get over it. Do they you really? Do. You think they need to get over it? Okay, tell me, tell me. Well, I think. They need to get over the hurt feelings. I'm, yeah. I am right there with everybody. I wrote a book about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am right there with the anger and the frustration and the indignation about everything that happened. You cannot get hung up on that because the 2024 election is crucial. It mm-hmm. is so important that everybody get involved. For, and the people that, you know, I hear the same complaints that, that you do. That is, oh, we didn't do enough. Not enough has changed. Tell me why it's going to be different. Right. I can't tell you why it's going to be different. You tell me why it's going to be different. Are you working at your precinct? Are you working at your counties? Have you scrubbed voter rolls? Have you gone out and helped canvas? Mm-hmm. What grassroots uh, organizations are you working with? This is this is an election that gets cleaned up from the precinct level up through the county. It's the precincts and the counties that need to be cleaned up. So if for anybody watching going, well, I'm not convinced it's any better. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you're sitting there doing nothing, you're not the person I'm trying to convince. Right. I, I need people out who are willing to work their precincts, not just be election volunteers, but work for your county. You know, if you're retired, come out of retirement for the next nine months and actually work for your county. You know, get us through this election. Become an election judge. Um, volunteer. If you can't do that, volunteer with a grassroots organization in your area. Help scrub voter rolls. You know, help remove people who shouldn't be on your voter rolls. There's Great organizations doing that in every single precinct in every single county. Uh, Mike Lindell has put a fantastic network together called Cause of America. It's called, um, you can go to causeofamerica.org, C-A-U-S-E, causeofamerica.org. They have over 300,000 people working across the country in every county to clean up these elections. And so when people go, oh, not enough being done. Okay, well, there's 300,000 people doing things. Right, right. So become part of the solution. Become part of that um, effort. And you can go to causeofamerica.org, send them your zip code, your county, your city, whatever you want, whatever information you want to send them, and they will send you a list 
of organizations in your area that are doing the work and get involved, be part of the solution. I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, that's pretty much where I was going with this, is that if this is going to be fixed, it's going to have to be fixed at a granular level, and we're going to have to take it from the bottom up. And I I feel like just so many people are still angry about it. And Mm -hmm. I understand the emotion, okay, definitely. Uh, But as we're moving into November here, there is a lot that still needs to be done and that we each need to take a piece of to ensure that things are just a little bit cleaner at, at the ground level. I truly don't know if it's possible to clean up the American election system uh, with 100 percent degree of certainty. You know, I mean, there's a lot of moving. Well, No, it's not. It's not going to be cleaned up. It's not going to be cleaned up. Look at what they're doing with our justice system. Mm -hmm. Right. That that is part of election interference, just like the propaganda and disinformation they spewed about Hunter Biden's laptop in 2020. Mm. I mean, that's all part of it. Is that going to go away? No, that's all going to be part of it. But that's why your shows like yours are so important so that your viewers can actually be informed, understand what's actually going on and um, don't fall for the tricks that they're, they're trying to pull, but volunteer, be informed. I mean, that's how, that's how we fix this. Yes, I agree. Uh, so let, let's I do want to talk a little bit about what has changed, though, since yeah. 2020. OK, so as I said, you but you've been on the ground floor. You've been reporting on election fraud. Where, actually, tell me, where were you on election night? What, what was yeah. what was that mood like? Yeah, I was at the White House. I was reporting from the North Lawn of the wow. White House on November 3rd, 2020. Wow. Um, and I was there with Chanel Rion. She was the White House correspondent for One America News. And I was there you know, as a second correspondent, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would go in and out sometimes from the front lawn, sometimes from um, Lafayette Square. And uh, we, you know, Chanel and I were looking at the numbers going, oh, this is great, you know, because we're obviously both wanted President Trump to win. And we're mm-hmm. like, okay, good. This, you know, it looks like he's doing really well. And then where things got weird was when they called Arizona, they called Florida and then Arizona, yeah. like a couple minutes later, I was like, wait a second, <laughs> mm-hmm. what? And, and that's when we kind of went, wait, something, something's wrong here. And we started, you know, when you're, you're on the front lawn, there's, you know, a dozen other networks right next to you. You're all right there and you're all reporting. And we were kind of watching what the other networks were doing and they didn't think it was weird. They were just like, oh, hum, hum, you know, okay, and fine with everything, which also we also thought was weird because mm-hmm. we're like, no, 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 th- this is not normal. This is not how elections go. But everyone just seemed to be trucking along. So we started calling headquarters and saying, you know, what's going on? How are you hearing this? We, we were trying to figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to say frantic, but kind of, you know, digging a little bit while all the other networks were just, you know, kind of sitting back as if this were normal. And saying, oh, yeah, then they're going to stop counting. And we were like, wait a minute. What do you mean they're going to stop counting? They've never stopped counting ever. And actually, most if you look, most state laws require that you don't stop counting. So all of the states that stopped counting violated their own laws. You know, again, it it was an illegal procedure. Um, So, yeah, it was Chanel and I were very much trying to figure out what was going on. And um Shortly. So the next day, November, November 4th, mm-hmm. I started putting out a video saying, no, 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 Donald Trump won this election. They're trying to steal it. And um, I, I was doing like, you know, a three minute news clip on One American News. And we put that up on our YouTube channel. And those were going viral. Like I, mean, I was getting like 250,000 views 
an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and that got shut down. Those videos were getting taken down. And then I think after five or six days of me doing that, YouTube changed. And I'm not saying it was just me, mm-hmm. but um, YouTube changed their policy and said, you're not allowed to talk about election fraud or, you know, or your channel will be shut down. So they, I, I mean, I got deplatformed basically yeah yeah so i lost lost my youtube channel on october 15th right when the hunter biden laptop came out uh i had a couple of huge videos uh about almost a million views in 24 hours just on that one subject alone and then myself and a whole bunch of my other friends we lost everything uh in a moment at like noon on the on october 15th absolutely unreal unreal. you know i was just hoping to make it to the election at that point the writing was on the wall i knew that they didn't want me there uh but uh you know, I was hoping to at least make it to that point. It's so Orwellian. Orwellian. Yes. I mean, so uh, a good friend of mine, Chris Farrell from mm-hmm. Judicial Watch, mm-hmm. he recommended. And this was this was early. This was before the election in 2020. He was like, he he. We I had a show at the time, and he would always come on my show, and he kept saying, you know, in between takes stuff. Christina, you you got to read 1984, and I don't think I had ever read it. I think oh, it, wow. maybe I had studied it in high school, sure, but I don't I don't ever remember actually like reading the entire book. So I read it. I did read 1984 right before the 2020 election, and it just blew my mind. It's like. This is exactly this is exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Um, Orwell it, was a prophet. <laughs> it really was. Like, if you have not read 1984, you really, really need to read it. You need yes. to read it. And it, it, honestly, it was kind of hard for me to read because it was so accurate. It was like it, it struck a nerve, you know. So uh, what what was your opinion of the state of America? Just like in terms of the corruption. Uh, was the 2020 election like a major red pill eye opener for you? Or before that, did you consider yourself to be pretty well read in on just how bad things were? Oh, no, 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 no. The election was what like changed me. Really? OK. Yeah. Tell me about that. No. Well, I was a brand new reporter. Mm-hmm. I had <laughs> I was not political, really. I mean, I technically I was I had worked in the Trump administration, but mm-hmm. like I, I didn't really know. I wasn't in like in the political crowd. I happened to be a political appointee because that was the position that was open. Okay. But I didn't know the political crowd. I I wasn't particularly political. And what was interesting about the Trump administration was there were a lot of because he didn't have he wasn't coming from government. You know, he didn't have thousands of people from the last administration that he wanted to kind of um, bring in with him. And so there were a lot of openings. And so I, and I was able to get a great position just because it was the Trump administration. And so, so I took it. Um, That's but, amazing. But prior to that, I mean, I was in the military, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't like a political operative, you know, the, the way that you think of a lot of these folks being, I, I was just a, a Marine. And then, you know, I was an attorney. I'd worked in civil litigation for a while. So um no, I wasn't, I wasn't political in any way. And then I think I'd been, I had been a reporter for four or five months by the time, at, at the time of the election. Wow. <laughs> and so I, I didn't, I didn't know anything. <laughs> and I saw the election and I'm like, okay, I'm like, this is not right. You Everything know, I know, I know I'm not is like a lie. A, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know I'm not like a seasoned reporter. I'm not a seasoned political operative, but I can look around and say the sky is blue, you yeah, know? Absolutely. So I, I was just going off of common sense and everyone's like, she's crazy. 
how could I possibly be crazy when Donald Trump was up by a million votes in Pennsylvania for three days? It wasn't until November 7th that they actually found enough ballots to change the outcome. Mm -hmm. And then once they found enough ballots to change the outcome, then they said they were done and awarded the state to Joe Biden. Like, no. What's what's (laughs) crazy is looking at a situation like that and nodding your head and saying, oh, yeah, that's totally legit. That sounds like something that could actually happen, even though it's never happened that way before. And, of course, we had a very different set of circumstances. You know, I mean, yeah. you mentioned the uh, breaking the election laws. I mean, not only the counting stopping, but also the way that ballots were administered. The uh, mail-in the way- ballots, yes. the drop boxes, the signature verification. I mean, all of it. The entire mm. election was illegal. Yeah. I mean, there are going to be people who earn PhDs on this period these four years in history and they're going to look at the 2020 election and go how on earth did anybody buy it Mm -hmm. how on earth did anybody believe that joe biden was legitimately elected there was nothing legitimate about this then you've got the whole media propaganda you've got the hunter biden laptop being suppressed you've got the 51 intelligence officials saying Mm -hmm. it's russian disinformation you know you've got this ministry of truth that's uh promoting the social social media big tech promoting the liberal stuff suppressing the conservative stuff like you and i getting deplatformed and and people are going to look at this and go how did americans just sit by and go yeah okay no i I think this is right and then you know add to that the federal government silencing average everyday people journalists podcasters And not doing it directly. This is how they got around any accountability. You know, the yeah. federal government didn't tell Twitter directly to ban people or to silence them. They did, though. The FBI well, did. I think they, you're talking about the White House. The, well, OK, yes. Yeah, so the White House didn't. But the FBI had an ongoing relationship with Twitter. But all of these other organizations. So, you know, those the, the FBI was in chat rooms with Twitter. They would have conversations about the way they wanted things to go. But then they would send the directive over to an NGO that would actually yeah, tell yeah, yeah. Twitter – that, hey, we need this list of people to be deplatformed. So that in that way, the FBI. But it didn't... Was an, that's right. But it was an NGO that was funded by yes. either the FBI or the Department of Homeland Security. It was like yes. basically a subsidiary of that agency. But then they were like, oh, it's not the government violating First Amendment rights. It's the NGO the government funds. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, again, any rational person, I think, looks at that and they say, you know, obviously we have a major problem. Uh, America has has slunk to a new low at this point. Yeah. But, you know, in that respect, I'm going to go back now to how things are different. You know, the last three years has been. I would say spectacularly bad for most people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, for, for, for people like us that are trying to for get the, the truth nation. out. Yeah. yeah. And of course, for the average everyday person, you know, it, it's, it's been bad. It's been bad for everyone almost universally. Uh, but because of that, I feel like we have a real opportunity going into yeah. election season here in 2024, because as a result of that, you know, you do have like 80 percent of the country now who who says, you know, hey, I don't think the election of 2020 was totally legit. Most people know that it wasn't. Uh, and right. then and then everybody is, uh, is is they're making less money. Everything is costing more. You know, gas is out of control. Rent's out of control. So just across the board, people are feeling the economic pinch. I, and I think, and I want to get your your thoughts on this. You know, it seems like more people have been awoken to just how corrupt and how terrible this system is 
specifically by Joe Biden, just by being yeah. in the White House and giving just horrible orders and 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 looking at people, telling them that the sky is red. OK. And then also, you know, just reaching his hand into their into their wallet at the exact same time and, and stealing yeah. everything they have. Well, yeah. And that's why they know Americans don't want them in power, which is why they have this open border policy where they're trying to flood as many illegal ends illegal aliens in to vote i mean that's that's why they're doing it um so yeah our government hates us that that's that is the state of america today our government hates us so in in the newsroom after the election i mean you know i i know how me and my friends were talking obviously we were doing it live on the air so you know we're being very frank about it but I mean, I'm sure you and Chanel totally based. You guys know what's happening. You know exactly what took place yeah. on election night. Was the rest of the newsroom at OAN as honest about it? Or were, were they in the same sort of black hole that the rest of the media was? Well, Chanel and I were at the White House, so I, I wasn't in the newsroom. Um, well, no, I mean, I but, guess I'm saying in the in the weeks and months afterwards. I mean, because, you know, the the, the mainstream media, by and large, they just kept yeah. up that illusion. You know, everything's fine. Donald this Trump's This was crazy. the most secure election yes. in U.S. history. There's no evidence of election fraud. I mean, it's that right. was By- like the rehearsed line yeah. for a year. Yeah. So, but... but- uh, no. Oh, I mean, OAN. OAN was great. They yeah. let me... I, I carried that story. I, I stayed with that story until I left to go work for Donald Trump. I mean, that was in 2022. So mm-hmm. I carried that election fraud story for two years. As a reporter, now I do it as an attorney. But um, yeah, no, OIN has never stopped airing that story. I don't think. I would imagine that they still have segments talking about election fraud. Sure, sure. No, okay. Well, that that's good to hear because I mean, I I, I just I, I want to make sure that there isn't like a, a cadre of people in the background who are saying, you know what, this plays good. We're definitely going to get people watching because nobody else will talk about it. So we want to keep it on the air, but we all secretly believe. That Donald Trump lost the election. Joe Biden is the legitimate president because right. uh, I'm sure that that's happening at like CNN, at uh, you know ABC, NBC, all these other places. And I'm wondering if you've had any contact with these other journalists working at these other outlets. Do they truly believe that Donald Trump lost the election? Do they believe Joe Biden's legitimate? Um, I mean, there's a lot of different journalists, and yeah. they all probably have different beliefs. Like from. I think most conservative journalists, like if you were to go to a Trump rally, like yeah. the Trump rally in South Carolina today, and the media crew that that typically goes to that, you've got One American News, Real America's Voice, RSBN, right, you know, Right Side Broadcasting. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, you have the the core of conservative news, right? Newsmax. Well, I don't know about Newsmax as much, but some of the other conservative news. Um, no, I think all of them truly believe Donald Trump won the election, myself okay. included. Good. Good. Um, I think so. But, um, but I, you know, I can't speak for every, I can't speak for every journalist. I'll, all I can say is I covered the story because I thought it was a true story. I, I still believe it's a true it story. Is. It's an accurate yeah. story. Absolutely. Um, and I, I'm being proven right. You know, the longer this goes on, the more right I become. So, so, um, so then, yeah. do you, do you get calls from former contacts in journalism to ha- have, have people come to you and said, you know what, Christina, you were right. You know, you were way ahead of this. <laughs> you think any? No, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You think there's a liberal journalist out there who's going to call me and say, oh, I, oh, look at you were right. No, that doesn't happen. Um, 
um, you know, maybe hell will freeze over one day. <laughs> but uh, okay, I just I'm just trying to get a feel for the uh, uh, for the back end. There. Uh, that's funny. I really like that question. <laughs> well, you know, the the reason I ask it is because you know I've had many people that were my friends or family members before mm-hmm. this whole thing started. And uh, in in recent months, I've had people calling me, people who would argue with me, tell me that, oh, yeah, most safe, secure election in, in history. And, yeah. uh, or, you know, or, you know, the, the jab is totally well, safe. Well, that's different. Yeah. That's different yeah. than journalists. OK. Right. OK. Like, are there do I know people who thought that the election was secure and are now questioning it? Yes. yes. OK. Of course. Okay. But journalists? No. <laughs> um, I mean, journalists are not only the ones making the Kool-Aid, they're handing it out and shoving it down everyone's throats, right? So yeah. if, when the day that they flip, America is saved, right? Okay. Um, so no, none of my journalist friends are doing it. But yeah, yeah, I just, probably just like everybody. Okay. I know people that thought the ele- didn't see a problem with the election and now they do. Yeah. Okay. Well, what do you, what do you think about the current tide that's turned against Joe Biden? I mean, like journalists went from worshiping him essentially to now suggesting that maybe he shouldn't run in November. Well, it's their cover up. Yeah. I mean, they have to, right? Yeah. Like because if the I think where they're struggling is they don't want to acknowledge that he's a senile old pervert. Because then maybe he wasn't the most popular president in U.S. history. So they're trying to balance the 2020 election with the 2024 election, being like, no, 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 he really did win in 2020. He was the most popular president right. in U.S. history. He was so amazing and great. But now he's a senile old pervert who's a little cl- too closely connected to Jeffrey Epstein and all that other stuff. So, <laughs> like, really, are we going to, those are really far extremes. Are we going to pretend that they're close? So they're they're trying to balance the two and, and walk a line where somehow both of those things can be true. And the reality is he is a senile pervert. Right. He is not the most popular president in U.S. history, and he never was. No, absolutely not. <clears throat> All right. So uh, in terms of who they might replace him with, uh, who, who do you think yeah. might be might be the number <laughs> one choice? Because I, I really feel like there's no. Yeah, I know. Anybody, anybody, anybody. But there's nobody really that stands out. No, I, you know, you hear the Michelle Obamas. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily buy that. Um, the Gavin Newsom's. I don't know. It doesn't really matter because when they do their switcheroo, it's a huge signal to everybody in America. We've all been calling it. Right. They're playing us. Mm-hmm. They are playing us for fools. They're just substituting different players to get the, to manufacture the outcome that they want, which is globalism, which is a Marxist elitist autocracy. And um, I think think that's why they're struggling with it is because they know as soon as they do it, they've outed themselves. I I feel like they've already done that really to a large degree. You know, I mean, like they have, but they're trying to they're trying to pretend they have it. They have to keep the appearances up because, yeah, once they say the quiet part out loud, then there's really no going back from that. And they're pretty much screaming all the quiet parts right now. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people who haven't gotten it yet. So, okay. Um, so, yeah, I, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I, I can't think of a single person who really would make sense to them. You know, e- any of those people that you just named, you know, Michelle Obama or, you know, I mean, there's no like 
Democrat superstar uh, uh, mayor or governor out there. No. I mean, like they've all really done bad jobs. I mean, just as bad as Joe well, they're Biden. evil people. Yes, yes. Like they're doing evil things, and and I, I don't take that lightly. Anytime you want to um, promote racism, promote mm-hmm. bigotry, promote sexism, promote division. That's really what they're doing. They are doing everything they can to divide this nation and victimize everybody. You know, gender mutilation, gender confusion, taking advantage of of vulnerable people for political political gain. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's really ugly. It's a really ugly thing to do. And that that's their platform. No, victimize everybody so that we can be their hero. Yes. Uh, journalists are going to end up being a protected class before you know it. So then it will be well, illegal. we actually do have a First Amendment. <laughs> well, well, yeah, you know, you know to a degree. Some, we'll some of us do. <laughs> yeah, some of yeah. us do. But, oh. so. All right. So I want to I want to talk a little bit about some of the legal actions that are taking place against President Trump right now. Yeah. Um, OK. Are, are any of these cases, you know, I, I think myself in the audience, we look at these cases and we say, you know, it's just as ridiculous as the idea that Joe Biden won the election in 2020. Let's specifically yeah. look at the classified documents case in Florida. Thank God. Okay. I feel like Eileen Cannon gets it. I feel like, you know, at the very least, she's going to be impartial. Um, yeah. And especially I, I think we just went through an important exercise yesterday with the release of the special counsel's report. You know, so, yeah, Joe Biden did everything that they accused Donald Trump of doing. He did it first. He wasn't president, so we didn't have presidential immunity. He took documents out of a skiff. He read classified information allowed to his biographer. They destroyed information. Uh, uh, they, they destroyed evidence. You know, And he's too old to remember when Bo died. He will bring up Bo if you talk about vanilla ice cream. Oh, yeah, okay, so how, <laughs> how does he not remember when Bo died? And then trying yeah. to convince the the press conference that he remembers everything he forgets where he got the rosary from for our lady of uh whatever her name was um okay so i i feel like that is that was very important timing okay because we're going to have that classified documents trial coming up everything literally that they accuse donald trump of doing it's actually joe biden and uh the 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 deep state swamp rats that have done it uh so what is your opinion on this case and do you think that president trump is in any danger at all with this No, Um, I don't even know if it will make it to trial before the election. Um, There are are still some procedural motions that I think may be being filed. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if the trial team is going to file them or not, but there are uh, uh, procedural arguments to be made on that case. Mm -hmm. Um, If it does go to trial before the election, I have no concern about it whatsoever. I don't think they stand a chance in, you know, where of getting a conviction in that sure, case. Sure. So, okay. So yeah. let, let's now take it to DC because it's a little bit different circumstance yeah. there. You got an Obama judge who clearly hates president Trump. Uh, you've also, you know, once again, got Jack Smith. Um, so, so what are your feelings about that? And I guess the, the ultimate question you, you kind of mentioned it, do, that you don't think necessarily that any of these cases are going to go to trial before the election. The one that I think they are pushing really hard to get to trial before the election is the Washington DC J six case. Okay. Um, that one stayed at the moment until the Supreme court rules on the presidential immunity issue. You right. know, the court of appeals just ruled on it and mm-hmm. now they're working their briefs up for SCOTUS. Um, it depends on how long SCOTUS takes to rule, you know, um, SCOTUS could help the president in 
a couple different ways. One, they could just flat out say he has immunity, which, mm-hmm. you know, he does. pretty much, yeah, yeah, gets rid of everything. Or if they don't want to be that bold, they could just delay, you know, they could take as long as they want. They already said that they're not going to expedite this. So um, they can take as long as they want to rule on this. And if they take, they don't even have to take that long, another 90 days, another, if they took another 90 days or, or four months to rule on this, which is not unheard of, mm-hmm. um, that pretty much sinks Jack Smith's case because it doesn't mean you go to trial right after the ruling. If they take four months, to make this decision, that means the trial team gets another four months after that. It's basically a one-for-one okay. um, chain exchange. So if they only take two months to rule on this case, then you know two months there plus the month from the appellate court, so three months. You know, so that's five months from now. What are we in? So so that, so that that still gets Jack Smith where he wants to be, which is trial before the election. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple different ways SCOTUS could help the president. Either just acknowledge that he has immunity or take a while to to process this case um i don't know i don't know what they're going to want to do you know does the united states supreme court really want to help jack smith prosecute a former president if they do they'll decide this case quickly yeah that's a good point and you know if they if they do decide that there's no such thing as presidential immunity then that puts every president before yeah. and after president trump in ultimate legal jeopardy because you know yeah. obama drone struck americans you know <laughs> you got to you got to believe that if that's the ruling and, and don't forget they've already obliter- obliterated um executive privilege like look at peter navarro oh, yeah. and steve they've already obliterated all that so Every former president and administration, if this ruling comes down in favor of Jack Smith, they will be shaking in their boots and, you know, praying to whoever they pray to, to make sure Donald Trump uh, doesn't get back in office. Because if he does get back in office, they're all going to be very scared. They'll be screwed, to put it mildly. Uh, Real quick, over on Rumble, uh, donation from Fredo. He says, uh, I love your work on uh, Christina. Question, do you have... Do you have to be beautiful to work at OAN? I've never yeah. seen as many gorgeous women as on this one network. Meanwhile, M- NBC hires women that look like they work at the DMV. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That's so nice of you. You know, I just think conservative women who love being feminine and yep. embrace, you know, womanhood. I think that's beautiful. And you see that at conservative networks. And I think these liberal outlets that want to you know, mush genders together and have gender fluidity, it's unattractive. Yeah, yeah. So. There's no, not much you can say about Rachel Maddow. But I, I think really it's it's uh, it's it's the the anger that's like just like ever present, you know? It's the anger, the yeah. rage, and the, the victimhood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not a good look. Okay, thank you very much. And Untitled Lady 2 also echoes the same sentiment. Christina Bob is smart. And hot just saying, okay, you guys don't do any more. <laughs> don't do those Thank anymore. You. Okay. Um, all right. So when it uh, – uh, just getting back to, to these, these cases here, um, specifically with the Carroll case, 
where President Trump was just found guilty of defamation and I think he has to pay $82 million or something like that. Well, for now, that's going up on appeal. Okay. okay, Yes, exactly. And and that's my point. Um, So let's say that it does go to appeal. And well, first of all, we have the issue of the conflict of interest between the judge and then the counsel for the opposing side. I, I mean, and, and and the judge has already ruled oh, it's, it's not a conflict. So, you know, we're not going to throw the case out. We're not going to get a new case. Um, yeah. You know, can that become an issue when we get to yeah. appeal? OK, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. There, there's work. a lot of issues. Quite honestly, I think there are a lot of issues for appeal in that case. It's not just that one. That is one of them. Um, I know President Trump's t- trial team had specific evidence that they wanted to include in the record that they were not allowed to include. So right. there's a number of things that they'll be using to appeal. Um, And I'm not convinced that the trial court actually thinks this case is going to withstand appeal. I think this was all about, you know, headlines for the election. That's all it is. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the added benefit of being able to siphon off as much money as possible from Donald Trump, which makes it more difficult for him to uh, to defend himself in other jurisdictions while this is happening. Um, Yeah. Okay. so with with a civil case like that, if it is upheld on appeal, is there a higher court that they would take it to after that? Or would that ultimately be it? And could he potentially be on the hook for that that 82 million? They could take it to the the highest court in New York, which is the New York State Supreme Court. Yeah. And I can't remember. Sorry, I'm not a New York attorney. I don't remember if okay. they call it the Superior Court or the Supreme Court. Different states call it different things. But okay. but yeah, the the highest court in New York. OK, great. Um, and then also with the, uh, the the immunity or excuse me, the um, the, the ballot eligibility case uh, that was just argued yeah. this week at the Supreme Court. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on the questions that the SCOTUS justices were asking of both sides, because it really felt yeah. like there was um uh, there, there was a bit of hostility towards the Colorado side that this yeah. argument was totally ridiculous and they couldn't believe it was there. I, I, that was my interpretation as well. I expect that to be a 9-0 ruling. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've said that. I've, I've said that on many networks. If it's not 9-0-8-1-7-2, it will not be less than 7-2. Okay. All right. Um, if that's going to be a decisive victory in favor of Donald Trump. Good to hear. Good to hear. All right. And then uh, when it comes to the election itself – uh, just thinking about what has changed, you know, I mean, uh, can you tell me uh, about your work at Save America? And uh, has there been any specific yeah. efforts that you know of on like a grand scale that we can point to and say, you know, we've been able to do this to ensure that we don't have a repeat? Um, on a grand scale, no. I mean, because everything has to happen at the precinct level. Okay. So are there precincts that are in better shape yes. than 2020? Yeah, a lot. Um, are there precincts that are not in better shape? Yeah, a lot, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So no, there is no grand effort. And I don't mean that there's not people trying to make it a grand effort. There's a lot of really great people doing a lot of really great work, but it it has to be in little tiny pieces. Um, And that's what's happening. So yeah, there. I mean, we've seen different legislation passed, voter ID, all that stuff. That's all great. Um, I love seeing great election security laws passed. I kind of don't care because Democrats don't follow the law. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what the law says. They're not going to do it. Um, and that's what we saw in 2020. So, you know, so there's... 
if we, if we look at Georgia, you mentioned Georgia earlier, and Garland Favorito and his group yeah. have, have been really instrumental doing some great things. And they're they're on the cusp of potentially getting rid of electronic voting machines. You know, that to me seems like a, a pretty grand gesture, something that could go a long way towards making people at least feel that we're going to have a, a fair election when we get to November. But, you know, the voter rolls. Yeah. If we've got voter rolls that are full of uh, dead uh, or, you know, no longer living, re- not living, but living in the area residents, or we've got people who are ghost voters that yeah. are registered at a, a P.O. box. You know, we've got to get rid of all of those people from the voter rolls. Otherwise, uh, yeah, it's it, it's not going to be looking good. Yeah, Garland's done great work. I mean, he's been very persistent in trying to get to the truth and make sure things are cleaned up. I wish that were nationwide right. uh, ruling. You know, that's just Georgia. Um, which don't get me wrong, Georgia's a very important state. And I think it will be very telling if, if he is successful in what he's trying to do in Georgia, not just Garland, you know, Mike Lindell's doing great work in Georgia too, on mm-hmm. that part, all part of that lawsuit. Um, it'll be really interesting to see the difference in 2024 from 2020 or just from 2022, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, it'll, it'll be very interesting. Well, so. uh, another aspect that we have here in 2024 that wasn't present in 2020 uh, is the the presence of RFK Jr., you know, him as a yeah. third party candidate. I mean, the people that I know who support Donald Trump would not vote for anybody else. So Mm-mm. I really don't feel like RFK is going to be pulling any measurable amount of votes away from Donald Trump. But there are now a lot of people who voted for Joe Biden just because they hated Donald Trump. And, you know, th- I'm talking about the living people who actually voted for him, not for yeah. not, not the total number <laughs> the of 81 million. Yeah, the 81 that they yeah. counted. You know, I mean, it's like a stack of counterfeit $20 bills. Um, right. Yeah. So so RFK Jr. is going to pull a, a significant number of the potential real uh, actual legal votes from Joe Biden. And in that respect, that also dilutes the number of possible votes that they could even steal to give to Joe Biden. And uh, it's going to leave Donald Trump with a much larger piece of that pie when we get to there. But I I think, you know, just thinking about how many people have recognized how bad the the situation is in America and that there's no way that they could see themselves vote like Michael Rappaport. Did you see that? Michael Rappaport now he he he's a comedian and he's been mm-hmm. like one of the most you know vicious uh, voices. Oh yeah, going yeah, after. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's been he's been a horrible person <laughs> the last several years, all during President Trump's presidency, and uh, and now here he is and he's like, yeah, I, I might be voting for Trump, and it just yeah. it gives me a lot of hope. Uh, so yeah. do you think that's going to have a a measurable effect in the same way that I'm I'm perceiving it? Um, RFK Jr. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, you know, the numbers don't, the numbers don't reconcile. And I understand your, your point about he's going to be pulling votes from Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. And so that makes the pie smaller or whatever. You are correct. But for the fact the pie doesn't reconcile. Sure. So they make up whatever numbers they want to make up. And, you know, uh, we we have to secure the polls is mm-hmm. what it comes down to. So, yes, I think you're right in practical purposes for the actual people who go vote mm-hmm. for all of these phantom voters that they ballot stuff and harvest. You know, they're all going to go to Joe Biden. So um, or 
Gavin Newsom or <laughs> whoever the heck they, you know, puppet number two is. Right. Um, okay. So, so, so let's. I'm more, con- I'm more concerned about people being involved in securing the election because they just they just make it up, you know. I I I get it. I totally get it. Now, if we, you know, let's let's compare and contrast to what happened in 2020. Obviously, they they told us that there was a pandemic and people couldn't get yeah. close to each other. It was dangerous. If you're closer than six feet, you're going to kill somebody. That's right. Unless you're a registered Democrat, and then you can be right there because you're going to be helping me cheat. Yeah. So. We don't have that as uh, a factor, okay? We also yep. are, you know, the, there there was a major lapse, maybe intentionally, on behalf of the RNC in 2020 to not have people there to challenge legally the votes that right. were coming in. You know, Democrats. Well, there was there was a lapse, but we were also excluded. Yes, totally, totally. But for, it was my understanding that the RNC just did not put the money into making sure that oh, there that would be. be yeah. yeah, they did. They they. Democrats, every single precinct, they had a lawyer yeah. or a team of lawyers. Uh, we, I don't know how many the, the Republicans have. That's true. Democrats have unlimited funding, though. I yeah. mean, Democrats are funded by the government mm-hmm. um, and these nonprofits. And everyone looks at the RNC going, why don't you replicate that? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I mean? It's like, don't get me wrong. I don't like the RNC, but we're talking, it's apples and oranges. It's true. You know, Democrat, Democrats have they basically have unlimited resources. They do. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, th- that's a difficult thing to overcome. Uh, I mean, yeah. but but the so they might have unlimited resources in terms of funding. But I mean, I would have to say that it seems like we have a lot more people in terms of actual living, yeah. breathing bodies, you know, which. would Yeah, give, that's true. Yeah. We do. We do have more people now. You know, in 2020, they paid a lot of people to right. be active. We don't pay our people because why would I pay someone to volunteer? You know what I mean? Like it's a little bit crooked. Um, So yeah, they, they pay their operatives to do stuff. Conservatives don't do that. But I do think, I do think we have more people now than we did in 2020. And I, I definitely think we do. And I also think that people understand the idea of activism from a conservative point of view. That was something that for the last yeah. several years I said, you know, we're lacking. You know, the Democrats know how to activate people. They know how to get boots on the ground. And even if they have to pay people, they'll get them out there and they can have a, a rally set up. You know, obviously we show up to Trump rallies. But, you know, you look at January 6th, 2021, uh, everybody came out for that. But then, of course, they turned it into a a, a psyop designed to make the American people believe that Donald Trump is some sort of a criminal murderer or something. Yeah. And so people were afraid to go out after that. Yeah. 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 All right. So, uh, listen, we are almost at the end of the show here, you guys. Uh, Christina's not going to be able to do calls tonight, and that's fine. Perhaps another time in the future. So let me just go through and uh, see if we've got a couple of more uh, questions or thank yous. Cranop says, hey, Zach. uh, Okay, no. I'm going to see. I'm looking for questions for Christina. I want to see if there is anything in here. And uh, if not, then we, we will continue after Christina drops off. And uh, I had a couple of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about. Uh, all right. No, that's it. So, Christina, at the end of the show, I always like to ask my guests if they have one thing that they would like the audience to take home with them from our conversation tonight. What would that be for you? Get involved. If you're not already involved in securing your election, get involved. It's great to vote. It's great to help your friends vote. Um, But we need more than voting. We need people on the ground. We need people scrubbing voter rolls. We need people working at the counties. 
Uh, we need, we just need people involved. So go to causeofamerica.org, figure out how you can get involved and get involved. All right. And your book is Stealing Your Vote. You can go to the link in the description of this video to buy it from Amazon. Do you have it for sale, like on a personal website or someplace that might be better for you? No, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever books are sold. Okay. And uh, you are at Christina underscore Bob on X and just at Christina Bob on Truth. Any other places where you want people to check out your work? Uh, Instagram, X, Truth, that's pretty much it. Okay. All right. Excellent. Well, Christina, thank you very much for being here tonight. I really appreciate it and uh, hope you have a wonderful night. Thank you. Have a great night. We'll see you. All right. Thank you very much to number one Indiana dad. Appreciate that. All right. And let's see here. Fredo, uh, do you think they will actually run the fake potato in chief or switch him out? Uh, if so, who do they swap him in with? My opinion. So I, I asked her that, but uh, we got a different different way of asking it. But my money is on Mohap. I don't know, guys. I really don't know if they're actually going to go about bringing Michelle Obama into it after all this time. I just don't think that it would work. Uh, and then, yes, we got that one. We got that one as well. So let me go over here to Pilled, and let me say thank you to Sean Joe and Michelle Ann. Uh, thank you very much, Sean Joe, for dropping a bunch of subscriptions. One, two bronze subscriptions. D Patriot picked one up. Chops picked one up. Uh, Duppy said, awesome guest sack. Congrats. Sean Joe, thank you for the can. Raising Kane, thank you for the can. WC Crane Op and Sean Joe and Sean Joe, thank you very much, guys. Sean Joe dropped another subscription. Deplorable Laura picked it up. WC Crane Op, thank you for those, buddy. Appreciate that. Raisin Kane, thank you for the shades. Deplorable Laura gifted a subscription. Thank you for that, Laura. Uh, Duppy picked it up. Sasquatch, thank you for the shades. Crane Op said, hey, Zach, dusting off GP's been sitting here a long time and no one would rather support, truly. Ah, gold pills. Okay, I, I get it now. Uh, and then Elixir50, thank you for the phone. Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. And Michelle Ann, thank you for the cookie as well. And then Untitled82, great show, dude. She was great. Yeah, I thought she was really cool. <clears throat> uh, she could not do more than one hour, though. So that's why she had to bounce. Uh, so listen, I had a specific story that I wanted to make sure we touched upon before we ended for the night. And I just need to get it pulled up here, you guys, because this is a good one. This is uh, a story we've been covering pretty good, pretty heavily over the course of the last several weeks. And let's see. Hold on. I've almost got it pulled up. Almost got it pulled up. And okay, here it is. Okay, so we have new information into the affair of uh, Nathan Wade and Fannie Willis. Uh, Not only last week she filed that paperwork suggesting that, yeah, she's having an affair, uh, but she only had an affair, I guess, after they got uh, they got together after she hired him. Okay, let me pull this up here. All right. Well, it looks like we have we have a witness. We have an eyewitness who can attest to the fact that Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade have lied to the people of Fulton County. Uh, let me see. Okay, and there is the pilled chat. All right. So uh, this is coming once again. 
from Michael Roman, the same guy who brought these claims to the attention of the court previously. So he has filed an an a supplemental reply to Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade's initial reply uh, to his uh, his first court filing, and he is outright accusing her of lying to the court about the affair that he was able to uncover. So uh, the the claim here, of course, is that, you know, first of all, Nathan Wade and Fannie Willis have been having an affair for a lot longer than they will admit. You know, not only did Fannie Willis break up their marriage, um, but she also ultimately specifically financially benefited from the additional monies that she paid to Nathan Wade over and above what she paid the same other attorneys uh, who were working on the case. So with this motion that was previously filed on behalf of Michael Roman, uh, this is uh, now, I think, like three or four filings in, essentially. Everybody gets an opportunity to say something uh, when uh, when they're doing this stuff. But uh, Michael Roman showed from county records that Nathan Wade, the ultimate lover boy, uh, best friend, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, lead prosecutor on the RICO charges, uh, has played this prominent role uh, in the election interference case. And, and with the $700,000 or so that he's made, there's no way that Fannie Willis could not be by benefiting financially. I mean, he was paying for uh, cruises. He was paying for airfare. He was taking her to hotels and, and all of that stuff. So with Fannie Willis... In the filing that she made last week, 176 pages saying, you know, yes, we did have an improper relationship. We're still having an improper relationship. Uh, However, it's not improper enough for it to have any effect on the case. Uh, And she said that Michael Roman uh, has only filed this brief with the uh, revelation that she and Nathan Wade have been having an affair uh, so that he can get the case thrown out. Well, I mean, of course, that's exactly what defendants and their legal teams are supposed to do. So she says that the defendant, Michael Roman, has not been able to prove any conflict of interest. I find that difficult to reconcile because the very fact that this relationship existed uh, with no acknowledgement of it to the court is and of itself, a conflict of interest, and it shows that there has been uh, a behavior, a pattern of behavior going on here. But Nathan Wade, in his own filing, admitted to having that sexual relationship with Fannie Willis, but his claim is that it didn't start until 2022, which is way after he got hired as the top prosecutor. That was in 2021. Uh, But again, the divorce uh, between Nathan Wade and his wife, that goes back to the same time, the exact same time, like within 24 hours of getting the job, he filed for divorce or she filed for divorce. But According to this new 122-page filing, uh, a Georgia attorney who just happens to be friends with Nathan Wade, so this is a boy from Nathan Wade's stable of boys, he's going to be refuting the claim that this affair began in 2022 after Fannie Willis appointed him in 2021. So here is a direct quote coming from the filing itself. Willis and Wade claim they did not have a personal romantic relationship before Willis appointed Wade as a special prosecutor. But Terrence Bradley will refute that claim. 
Bradley is an attorney and a member of the Georgia Bar. Bradley and Wade were friends and business associates. Bradley has non-privileged personal knowledge that the romantic relationship between Wade and Willis began prior to Willis being sworn in as the district attorney for Fulton County, Georgia in January 2021. So she was already meeting with this guy and having an illicit affair before she became the district attorney. Uh, Thus, Bradley can confirm that Willis contracted with Wade after Wade and Willis began a romantic relationship. Thus, it rebuts Wade's claim in his affidavit that they did not start dating until 2022. So now you have both Nathan Wade and Fannie Willis lying to the courts on top of every other aspect of this question of a conflict of interest. So Fannie, Wade, Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade lying to the court, uh, and uh, apparently they were living together. They also said they weren't living together. Uh, and another employee of the Fulton County DA's attorney's office is also going to testify to that. Bradley also has personal knowledge that Wade and Willis regularly stayed together at her home until Willis's father moved into the home sometime in 2020. So if they were living together prior to 2020, this relationship has been ongoing for a very long time. I don't understand why they wouldn't have just admitted it to the court. I mean, of course, as soon as they brought it to the court's attention, he never would have been able to get the job. So that makes it look even more uh, subversive. And, and, and they're attempting to keep it on the down low so that now that she's in a position to hire him, she can hire him, give him more money than anybody else. And then, of course, she's going to financially benefit from it. Uh, Fredo, <laughs> I, I think you're right. I think Wade deserves. Hold on. Is that is you know what? For I don't think the rumble chat is moving. Yeah, I don't think the rumble chat is moving. What's going on here? Oh, I get it now. Okay. Christina Bob. Okay, I saw that one. Uh, There it is. I think Wade deserves $750,000 for effing Fanny. You'd have to pay me a hell of a lot more than that to dip my wick into that fugly POS. (laughs) I think that most people would feel the same way. So, Ultimately, it looks like this is a years-long relationship, Uh, and of course, considering the fact that Nathan Wade only just got a divorce, he just filed for divorce in 2021, he and Fannie Willis had an ongoing illicit affair for years before that. He would regularly stay over at her house, and then she got in as district attorney in Fulton County. Only then did she hire him, and only then did they finally end up having to admit the affair, but it's not because they admitted it themselves. They got caught and somebody brought it to their attention. I bet you that Michael Roman, that this guy who he's now put forward as a witness, this is the person who confirmed to him the status of their relationship previously. And Michael Roman left all of that out so that he could get Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade to lie to the court. And then now that they've lied to the court, they've gone on record, they have impeached themselves. Well, now Michael Roman brings this information forward, and this witness is going to go on record themselves and say, hey, I was there, I saw firsthand. I was sleeping in the bedroom next to Fannie and Nathan, so I know exactly what they were doing. But Bradley confirms that Willis and Wade stayed together at this apartment until Yurdy's employment was terminated in the fall of 2022, at which time Willis and Wade began staying in what was known commonly as a safe house in Fulton County, Georgia, rented for Willis. Willis and Wade stayed together at both residences regularly. So they had two different homes. 
But a safe house is that is that like a safe house that's paid for by Fulton County? Are did, is that a safe house like they're reserving it? For people who are testifying against like big criminal entities, uh, people who are going to be testifying and their lives may be in danger. Is that what that safe house means? Because that's like the kind of thing that I would think about if like a a CIA agent was going to be stuck outside the embassy in a hostile foreign nation. They have to find a safe house so they can go stay there, remain safe. Uh, And then they can move on to the next destination. But I'm really interested on that one. Is it a safe house that's being rented by Fulton County, Georgia? Because in that sense, if they're staying at a a home that has been reserved for defendants that are testifying against dangerous other defendants, um, then this would mean that Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade profited from their relationship and and, and made the, the residents of Fulton County pay in an even more scandalous way. So Michael Roman said Willis and Wade should be disqualified from further prosecuting this case. This is getting worse and worse by the day. And we haven't even hit the 15th yet. They're still going to have to go up in front of the judge to admit exactly what's going on. And now that additional information has come out, which contradicts their prior testimony in the court filings that they have uh, submitted in this case, it's going to be A banger, guys. Let me tell you, on the 15th, the judge is going to know all of this. He's going to have spoken to the witnesses, likely. He's going to have the filings from the witnesses filed under penalty of perjury. And Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade are going to stand there in front of him in a televised format and tell him specifically why they lied to him on numerous occasions. Uh, Fredo says people in the witness protection program were forced to watch Fanny and Wade bump uglies. My God, I'm guilty. Take just take me to Leavenworth. I don't want to see that. So continuing on, Willis violated those ethical rules by Wade with whom she had an undisclosed romantic relationship, paying Wade hundreds of thousands of dollars in county funds and accepting gifts from him, which she did not disclose to the county. Based on the foregoing rules, Willis should have known that her ethics or actions would violate the ethics of Fulton County ethical rules, and Willis should have known that her ethical violations would lead to an irreparable conflict of interest. Accordingly, she and Wade must be disqualified from further prosecuting this matter. And when they both got subpoenaed to testify, uh, So, okay, so they've been subpoenaed to testify in the divorce case. They've been subpoenaed to testify before the judge, but they were also just recently subpoenaed to testify uh, before Congress. I guess the U.S. Marshals had to track them down and hand them the subpoena, force them to accept it because they were both trying to avoid coming into contact with the congressional process servers. Oh, man, it's going to get juicy when they get before Congress because, you know, they're probably going to be under oath there either. But more than anything, I'm looking forward to this February 15th televised uh, uh, questioning by the judge. So I'm definitely going to be doing that one live. Okay, Um, I think that that's it, guys. Uh, yeah, Yeah, I think we're done. So I am taking tomorrow off because it's Sunday. I'll be back Monday at 5 p.m. I want to thank everybody for hanging out with us tonight. I want to thank one more time Christina Bob for being here, uh, for taking the time out. She had done a number of interviews already today, so she's a trooper. And uh, I guess in a manner of speaking, I'm glad that she got red-pilled by uh, what happened in the 2020 election. But I do think she's right. 
I think that the only way we fix this is from the ground up, and that means that every single one of us has got to take an active role in being a part of the process. So if you haven't yet, consider doing what she suggested. Uh, Consider looking into your local efforts to clean up the voter rolls because if those votes are still on the books come November – You know absolutely 100% with all certainty they are going to do everything in their power to take those fraudulent votes and use them against Donald Trump. We can't let that happen. All right, guys. Good luck. God bless. We will see you on Monday.